Hello, and welcome to episode 265 of Live Happy Now. This is Paula Phelps, and this week we have a very special guest who has crafted the perfect message for this most unusual year. Since his first hit single, The Remedy, in 2002, Jason Mraz has built his musical career by sharing positive, uplifting music. This week, he's releasing Look for the Good, an album that encourages us to find hope, optimism, and gratitude, despite the turmoil we're experiencing right now. I sat down with the two-time Grammy winner to find out how this collection of songs came about, what he learned in the process of writing and recording this album, and what he hopes every one of us takes away from it. Jason, welcome to Live Happy Now, and thank you so much for coming on our show. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, this is a really exciting album to talk about, and I'm very excited for our listeners to hear it because it's so timely, and it really does feel like it was written specifically for even the last couple of months. Can you talk about how this whole project came about? Well, on the topic of the songwriting first, you're saying how it feels so timely. I felt that in life, there will always be suffering, so we always need a reason to look for the good. We always need music to hopefully help us cast the darkness away and at least to shift our attention or our perspective back to something brighter something more positive something that we can be grateful for so i feel like there's always work to be done in that field and that's what i try to use my music for is for the power of good it's a superpower so i want to use it for the power of good i feel like it's we're really able to hear that power of good maybe more than usual because of the current situation. But regardless of the current situation, I'm always trying to write songs that are on the good side of the language, I guess. The whole concept of doing the reggae album was many years in the making. I always wanted to make a, a reggae album, but it was obviously going to take the right musicianship, the right producer, the right songs. And about two years ago, I met Michael Goldwasser, who's the producer of this new record. He did a remix for me. He's in the reggae world. And we just became friends and said, let's make more music. And as we started this email collaboration, email, this correspondence relationship, we just started making these songs that we thought were very timely for I would just call it, let's call it 2020. We didn't know what was going to happen in 2020. None of us were expecting this 2020. None of this were <laughs> expecting this. But I did know it was going to be an election year. And election years usually bring out, you know, it brings out the debates. Mm -hmm. And they're very just heated, you know, which is good. It's a good thing because I think it helps us know ourselves. And it helps us hear ourselves. So like, what are we craving? What's working? What's not working? So on a debate year, I wanted to make sure we released some music that wouldn't necessarily influence debates, but just would remember us to be kind, remember us to be human and treat the others on the other side of the aisle with dignity and respect, regardless of our beliefs. Because at the end of the day, we're all still just these very fragile human bodies made up of microorganisms and bacteria and viruses and things that regardless of our political beliefs and geographical borders. Let's remember that we're human. So that's kind of what the songs were about. Let's just remember that we're human and we're fragile and we should be love 
for each other. Yeah, what um, I love about this is it just reminds you to take a breath and as you said, remember that that is a human. And it's like, I love the song, My Kind. It, it's such a wonderful job of saying like, hey, we are all one. You know, that really is a kind of anthem that we need right now. Mm-hmm. And it's just that slight remembering that we're all one, you know. And right now with this microorganism, this virus that's going around, forcing us to be in our homes, certainly reminds us that we as humans are one and we are only one species here that if we're not careful the earth will continue to transform and Mm -hmm. could potentially do without us so how precious are our material things how precious are our heated debates you know when it really comes down to the preciousness of human life you know do our material things and our rate of consumption does it really matter that much so It's interesting that we get to slow down right now and feel extra human. But I feel like there's always music to give us comfort. And that's my job is to try to create some of that. And it's obviously a job you do very well and that you love. And what I really, I love the reggae influence on this. And I always feel like reggae is such a great carrier for positivity anyway. Yes. So can you talk about why you wanted it on that particular set of songs? I know you mentioned that you had always talked about doing it. How did this become the right fit? I didn't know it was going to be the right fit. It really began as an experiment. It was something I wanted to make because as a live performer, whenever I would play a reggae song or I would say convert in an older song of mine to a reggae style or fashion, I would get a different sensation from it as a performer. And then I would notice the audience would also connect to it in a different way. So I thought there's something really, there's something magical about reggae that causes people to dance and to all connect. So I want to explore this more. So I made a bunch of songs with Michael Goldwasser as an experiment to see what it would feel like to have a collection of reggae songs. And what I found was that in this genre, which is very dance driven, I didn't expect that. Even songs that I wrote on guitar, piano that were quite mellow, they became these dance songs through the power of reggae. And dance is, is kind of a way to get out of your head and kind of get back into your heart, get out of your body a little bit. And as a performer, you pair that with some positive lyric, you pair that dance with, and it feels like church in a way. And so I'm, I'm able to sing a positive message, and I'm also, but I'm also able to dance on the fringe of ideas that are not as easily sung in traditional pop music. Like the song My Kind, for example, which definitely goes into this ska beat. The reggae genre allows me to breathe life not only into love and positivity, but into, I think, transformational messaging or the kind of messaging that breathes life into an ever-changing world. And I've not been able to do that necessarily in the pop category as easily. That makes perfect sense. I really think it has to do with that backbeat and that the background music that when we listen to reggae, we're getting either love, we're getting either spirit, or we're getting some kind of revolution, some kind of big changes occurring. And I feel that's happening right now. You know, we need love and a revolution is happening. I think a biological revolution is happening on this planet where we as humans are shifting our how we're looking at the planet suddenly and looking at humans as a species, more so than just a big political revolution, which is also happening, I believe, in, in, yeah. to a degree. Yeah. I would say so many things got real this year. 
where yeah, I love that. Like, oh, we've got time. We can play around with the planet. It's all good. We're gonna live forever. Yeah. And I yep. think there were a lot of messages that came home to us this year. I like that. Yeah, things got real for sure. Well, and for you, like you have always been, your music has always been so positive and uplifting. And in that sense, you've always kind of swum upstream from the rest of the industry because positivity isn't necessarily what we get out of what's playing on the radio. So why has that always been important to you? It starts with the love of performing and love of songwriting. Like I love singing. And so I became a songwriter because I love to sing. And so if I sit down at an instrument to sing, I just feel joy. So it seems like what should be coming out of my mouth is something joyous, not something sad and depressing. And then if I have the luxury of someone's ear, and if they're giving me their time and listening, I want to share with them my joy, not my sadness. I like <laughs> so it. So I always found myself wanting to share joy. And I also think writing a happy song is not easy. It requires some finesse and it requires an understanding of the dark side. So usually I sit down at a piano to celebrate joy because life has gotten dark and out of balance. So I say, okay, I got to get to my instruments because that's where joy lives. That's where a bigger spirit in me dwells. So I've just, for some reason, joy songs just work better for me. They keep me going. I love that. So your, does your positivity come to you naturally? Because on the show a lot, we talk about our negativity bias and we all have different happiness set point. And some people have to work to think positive. And it seems like maybe you lean that way anyway. Well, I do, but I have to work at it because I get it through my music practice. Or I get it through some version of creativity. And I do feel like, trust me, I get periods, long periods of just melancholy and sadness. So I will shift to music and I will work on music or crafting something creative until that melancholy blows over rather than just sit with the melancholy and start adding extra weight to it. And rather than sit in melancholy and say, I am sad. I am no good. All I'm doing is creating more and more identity around that melancholy. So I work at it. I shift. I go to music. I go to crafting. And I just, I write. I go to journaling. I go to poetry. Until I feel that transformation. And that transformation goes, aha, I am a powerful creator. I am worthy. I am new. I am renewed. And all of that comes through the creative process. So I see on the page reflected back to me something beautiful, or I hear on the piano something coming out beautiful, and it just resets me. And I, it's almost like my brain doesn't have time for the melancholy anymore because I don't believe it anymore. <laughs> That's I, uh, perfect, yeah. At what point did you realize like this was the album that needed to be released? Because it sounds like in the beginning you were just, uh, let's pass some songs back and forth and, and kind of playing around with it. I feel like each song on the record is the answer to that question because it starts with a handful of songs, it starts with one song. You're like, wow, that's pretty good. Let's try another one. Oh, wow, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And then you get to a point where maybe you get to six, seven, eight songs. And you think, wow, a little bit more work and I've got 10 songs. That's enough for an album. And then you get to 10 and you realize that only eight of them are good. <laughs> 
then you go, <laughs> okay, a few more songs. And so I just kept feeding it. And I don't know, I've, I like making songs in a collection. So songwriting itself is fun, but then the next level of trying to categorize those songs and how they live together, curated into a collection of songs becomes the next part of that scrapbook or that presentation. So I, for me, the process is just about loving the music. And at some point I shift from the singular song to a larger body of work. Yeah, because this became almost like a positivity concept album, you know, or everything yeah. they tie together. They're not necessarily, you know, consecutive, but everything ties together so well. Yeah, thanks. You know, I feel like when I make an album, it's the same effort every time. But obviously, the year is going to be different, the year of my life and who I am in that year and the experiences I've had, whatever books I've read, whatever relationships I'm in or, or how each of those relationships are going, all of those things are going to feed the creative process and feed that album. But the structure of how I write music and how I write the album, I feel like is the same so what's going to change are those influences, those outside life influences. So in trying to write a cohesive album that takes you on a journey that is informative, educational, entertaining, first and foremost, sounds beautiful, sounds accessible and relatable so that you'd want to sing to it. All of those things I'm trying to factor in every time. And I feel like because I've made six albums, I'm getting a little better at that process. But what I'm trying to say is I feel like I'm making the same album over and over and over again. But what changes is my perspective on life somewhat or my age or my motivations, but oh, always trying to put together hopefully a well-curated collection of songs that are diverse, but still share some common message. And between this album and my first album is 20 years and my motivations are way different. Back in my early years, I'm trying to get the girl I'm trying to be clever. There's a lot more ego involved. It's nice to be at this side of those years and try to think how I can use my superpowers for good, not just serve my ego, not just try to get the girl, but shine a brighter light on many. So yeah, that's, that's what I've been up to. Yeah, and with Look for the Good, that's the lead single as well as the name of the album. Where in the writing process did that come from? That was actually a title that Michael Goldwasser submitted. And Michael was the producer of this album, and he had heard his rabbi sermonize, look for the good and you will see the good. So if you go out in the world looking for it, you'll find it. Same as bad news. Look for the bad and you'll find the bad. It's easy to find. So look for the good and you'll find the good. And so that was a title he submitted to this project. And when he sent me an instrumental, an idea, musical idea to work on, that was the title. And it fit. And all I had to do was sit down and expound upon that idea, which is what I love to do. It's just another version of gratitude. When you're asked to look for the good, or when you're asked to say thank you, like, hey, what are you thankful for? The first thing we do is we start scanning either our memories or our environment for something good because we want to say thank you for that thing or that person or that experience in our life. So look for the good as a song of gratitude and it originated from uh, Michael and his rabbi. <laughs> That's excellent. And it's a great lead off. It's a great way to introduce yourself to this whole collection. Another song that I wanted to talk to you about is you do you. So that's a great tune. I love how it celebrates individuality. And yeah. when people listen to that, what do you hope that they hear? 
first joy, always joy, freedom and joy. Those are my two favorite things, freedom and joy. And they're favorite because I've been given those things in life through my parents, through the resources, through my public school. Just the system was designed for a kid like me to have freedom and joy. And so it's been my work in my adult life to make sure others and every other human being also gets to experience freedom and joy. And You Do You is, is a song that sort of practices that, exercises that, that says, let us all be free to be ourselves and let us be joyous and let us celebrate each other for each other's freedoms because we're all going to have a different version of what that feels like. And we're all going to have different versions of joy. You know, there's a lot of different ice cream flavors in that frozen <laughs> food section. <laughs> you know, and everybody wants something different. And so freedom and joy, that's what I hope people get out of you, do you? That's, that's certainly terrific. what I get out of it. Yeah. yeah, because I kind of feel like that should be piped into, well, everywhere right now. <laughs> because we've got, you know, so many people trying to say, well, you're doing it wrong or you should be doing this. And when I listen to that song, it's like, wow, that could be our theme song for this summer. That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, when I um, sit on a train or a subway and you're just packed with a bunch of people in there, one of my favorite things to do is try to imagine everybody's superpower because you just never know who anybody is. You don't know if they're an inventor. You don't know if they're a doctor. You don't know if they're an amazing painter or the most famous poet in the world. But in a train car or a subway, it's just quiet and it's just a bunch of strangers, your brain could easily go into dark places like, oh, that person wants to steal my wallet, or that person probably has a cold, or, you know, you're just looking for bad things, right? I enjoy playing it the other way and trying to imagine the victories in those people's lives. That's um, a beautiful way to approach it. Yeah. And then it also becomes a less scary place. It becomes more of a place where I'm like, wow, I wish that person would kind of come talk to me because I suspect that they can read my mind or something. I don't know. But yeah, it's a fun way to, fun way to use your imagination. Well, that's great. And, you know, I really do look forward to people being able to hear the album when this airs. It's just a couple of days away from your album release. So we're excited about that. And before we let you go, you know, your wish to make the world a better place certainly doesn't end with your music. So can you tell us a little bit about your foundation? Yes. The Jason Mraz Foundation is something I started back in 2011. And three years ago, I really kicked it into gear by, well, back in 2011, we super served many different fields. And three years ago, we refocused it to focus specifically on inclusive arts education and the advancement of equality. And that uh, is similar to programs that I came up to as a kid. Arts education is just such a great medium for collaboration. And, and when you add inclusivity to that arts education, you're not only getting a great arts training, but you're getting compassion and empathy and acceptance. You're learning how to, you're basically learning how to sit on that subway or train car and see the good in everybody, basically, is what inclusive arts education does. And for the purpose of the advancement of equality. Because as I said earlier, I came up through great public school that made it easy for me to experience freedom and joy. So the Jason Rest Foundation is helping to breathe life into programs that exist, as well as create new programs that can hopefully also create experiences of freedom and joy for young people who are pursuing the arts. 
So everything from dancers to visual artists to poets to songwriters, singers, you name it, we're out there trying to help them get a hand up in the world to experience their freedom and joy. That is fantastic. Well, yeah. Thank you for all that you're doing. You're really, a lot of people say they want to make the world a better place and you are so actively pursuing that in many ways. And we appreciate you sharing that with us. Thank you. My pleasure to share. That was Jason Mraz talking about his new album, Look for the Good, which drops this week. If you'd like to learn more about where to download this album or learn more about Jason and his foundation, just visit us at livehappynow.com and follow the links. And a reminder, bring a little bit of happiness to your workday every day with the Live Happy Daily Happiness Briefing. Visit our website for a link to enable this as a skill, then start your morning by saying, Alexa, give me my Live Happy Daily Happiness Briefing. That's all we have time for today. We'll meet you back here again next week for an all-new episode. And until then, this is Paula Phelps reminding you to make every day a happy one.